Today, I'm really excited to welcome all of you as we start our new series called Unlocking the Parables. And I want to make the claim that I think most of you agree with that Jesus Christ is the greatest teacher of all time. He's the greatest teacher of all time. Hands down. Thank you for that. Amen. Because it's true. His teaching has transformed the entire world. And most of Jesus' teachings, in fact, are contained in what were called parables. Look at this uh, passage from Mark 4, uh, verses 33 through 34. It says, with many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. In fact, he did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. Now, I don't think we should take Mark literally that Jesus only, only, only ever used only parables. But it was such a frequent hallmark of his teaching that Mark could say, basically, Jesus taught everything in parables. That was the hallmark of Jesus' teaching. And so in this series, I'm excited because we're going to touch on every parable of Jesus Christ from now until Advent. So I'm really excited. I hope you're excited to go on this journey with me. Now, what is a parable? Now, uh, a very common definition you'll see is that a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And I I like to rephrase a little bit. I like to say a parable is an earthly story with a kingdom meaning. Parables are stories that help us get handles on Jesus' teaching on the kingdom of God. They help us grasp what he is teaching in his kingdom. And so Jesus used stories, he used metaphors, and he used the stuff of everyday life, the earthly stuff, to teach a principle about the kingdom that he was ushering in. And so today we are beginning with what's called the parable of the sower. And I would say this is the parable of parables. This is is the hallmark parable of Jesus' teaching. In fact, it may be the most important one. Why is it the most important one? Well, it's in the first three Gospels. It's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And they all devote a lot of attention to it. Matthew gives it 23 verses, Mark gives it 25, and Luke gives it 15 verses. And they all use it as the introduction to Jesus' teaching on the kingdom and his teaching on parables. And so the parable of the sower, it's the flagship parable. This is, this is the flagship parable. And if you don't grasp this parable, it's very unlikely you will not understand the rest of the parables. So this is, this is laying the foundation for everything that Jesus is going to teach. And this parable unlocks the understanding to the rest of the parables. So you ready to dive in? I want to begin with the question, how is your hearing? Hold on, wait a minute. Did you hear me? How is your hearing doing? Did you guys hear that? How is your hearing? You know, my, my mother when I was younger, she thought there was, I, I had a problem with my hearing. And she used to tell me that I had this condition, that sometimes she would tell me something, and it would go in one ear and out the other. Any other parents have children with this condition? Ever, ever experienced this? It's kind of a funny expression, right? You picture something going in someone's ear and it kind of goes, dink, 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 out the other side. Nothing happened. It didn't register. My mom said I had this condition. And then, you know, she also told me I had another condition called selective listening. Selective listening. And this idea that I would hear the good things my, my mom said to me, but the stuff that she asked me to do, like, hey, go, go pick up your laundry or whatever, uh, I don't remember her saying that. She said, oh, you have selective listening. And then apparently I had this other problem that often I wouldn't hear what my mother would say, but I could hear it through somebody else. So I would come home from youth group or church or from class, and I would say, Mom, you can't believe what I heard today in youth group. We heard about this, this, all this wise living and all this stuff, whatever it was, And she would look at me and say, I've told you this before. I told you this a month ago and you didn't listen to me, but now you hear it from your youth pastor or your mentor or your teacher, and now you hear it. And when she said that, I could remember recollecting my mom telling me that, but for some reason, it didn't register. 
It had gone in one ear and out the other. It's like I almost never even heard what she said. So how's your hearing? Because this is what Jesus is driving at in the parable of the sower. How's your hearing? And Jesus starts off this passage, and I encourage you to open up to Mark 4. We're going to be looking at Mark 4 this morning. And he starts out this passage by saying, hear in the Greek, or listen up, pay attention. Now, the, the Greek word for hear, it's much more than our English word for hear. The idea in the Hebrew culture of hear is that actually you would hear something, you would listen, you'd understand it, and you would, you would let it register so that it might change your life, that you would obey, you would hear whatever you were hearing. And so you have to understand that by the time that we get to this point in Mark 4, Jesus has already attracted a lot of attention. You know, he's, he's gone about teaching about the kingdom. He's healed many people. He's driven out demons, and he's attracting attention. He's already had some disciples who are following him. He has a large crowd gathered to hear this teaching. But he's also had some people who have, ne- who have reacted negatively. His family thinks he's nuts. They think he's crazy. They think he's lost his mind. And the religious leaders, the authorities, they think that he's possessed by a demon, and they already, at Mark 4, they already want to kill Jesus because he has set himself up as a Messiah-like figure. So he's getting all these kinds of reactions. And Jesus, he's he's, uh, teaching a a large crowd by the lake, and I just want to flash a picture of the Sea of Galilee up simply to remind you that this really happened. I've been there. I've been to the Sea of Galilee. Some of you out there have been there as well. Jesus is teaching by this lake to real people, and he's a rock star preacher. He's got a huge following. And then he, perhaps he's looking at this nice land around the Sea of Galilee, and he sees a sower out in the field, and he begins to describe this picture. Now, a sower, it's a farmer who's casting seed into the ground. And he says the sower casts his seed. Some fa- falls along to the path where the birds eat it. Some falls on the rocky ground, and some falls among the thorns. But then some fall on the good ground and it springs up and produces a wonderful crop. And then he ends the story the same way he started. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. If you can hear what I'm saying, pay attention. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Is it, or is it going in one ear and out the other? And I find it interesting, at this point, when Jesus said this, he's given no explanation to what he means. He hasn't given the interpretation yet. He says, if you've heard this, pay attention. He tells the story once. And now the Jews, they, they knew some images of God being the sower and his word being the seed. So they, they might have had a vague understanding, but they couldn't have been sure. And so it's only understandable what happens in verse 10. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. In other words, Jesus, what are you talking about? What does that story mean? Tell us more. Give us an understanding. And then what he tells them is the key to understanding Jesus' ministry and all of his teaching on the parables. He tells them, starting in verse 11, if you're following, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Now, this passage in the commentaries has caused a lot of conversation. What is going on here? What is Jesus saying? Jesus tells his disciples that the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. Now, what is this word secret? This word secret in the Greek, it's the, it's the Greek word mysterion, mystery. And the idea of this word is that it's something that can only be revealed to you. So when, when the Bible talks about a mystery, it's not something that we can't fully 
uh, understand. It's not something that's secret that God, that God is keeping to himself. No, he's revealing something that we couldn't understand on our own. It's something that we couldn't reason our way to. No, it's a revelation of God. He's teaching us something. And the disciples, they've been given this revelation. They know the secret. Why do they know the secret? Because they're the ones who are gathering around Jesus, and they're already beginning to see that God is doing something in and through Jesus. They're already recognizing that God is at work, that God is bringing his kingdom through Jesus Christ. Because the secret of the kingdom is that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the true Lord of the world. He is God, a very God. And they understand, the disciples are already beginning to see this, and because they can see that, because they can hear it, they are going to see and to hear more. This is why they're gathering around Jesus, asking for more. But then Jesus says, But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and so on. Now, if you're reading this on the surface... It kind of makes it seem like Jesus is saying, I teach in parables so that those on the outside will never understand what I'm saying. I don't want people to understand me. Now, I think this is a misinterpretation of this passage. Because Jesus came, the Bible says, to seek and save those who were lost, not to make sure the lost stay lost. All right? I mean, if Jesus wanted to prevent, misunderstand, or wanted to prevent people from understanding him, he could have just not showed up. He could have just not taught anybody. So I don't think that's what's going on here. So what's going on? What's happening here is Jesus is quoting from the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6, if you want to look it up later. And Isaiah, if, you recall, if some of you recall, he was a prophet. And God sent him to the people after that the people had already had many prophets. And God said that his people were already going to face judgment. Why? Because God had sent them so many prophets. God had talked to them so many times. And what happened? His words went in one ear, one ear and out the other with the people. They didn't listen to a single thing God was warning them about. And over time, they kept doing that. They kept not listening, and their hearts became so hardened to God so that when Isaiah was going to come to him, his words were going to fall on deaf ears. That was just the fact of the matter. But Isaiah still hopes that there will be a remnant, that there will be a small number of people who might see and understand what he is saying and that they might return and repent from their sins. And so Jesus is saying he is a prophet just like Isaiah was. He is, he is the sower that's going to spread the seed of it, the message of his kingdom. He's going to cast the seed. But he knows that many of the people have already so hardened their hearts against God that their reaction to his mes message is going to be negative. It's going to be unsuccessful, just like the religious leaders of his day. So this is why Jesus said to them in verse 13, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Again, this is the key. This is the key to understanding Jesus' teaching because it's a picture of Jesus' ministry. His teaching and his life and his kingdom are going to divide people. There will be three kinds of people who do not su successfully respond to the message of the kingdom, and there will be one kind of people who will successfully respond. And it's all based on what? How they hear the message of the kingdom. So I wanna, let's talk about the different types of hearing. So the first type of hearing that Jesus mentions, I'm going to call hard soil hearing. Hard soil hearing. Verse 15, Jesus says, Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and, and takes away the word that was sown in them. Now, in this agricultural metaphor, people knew what Jesus was talking about. You know, far, farming back then was 
it's not some niche thing like it is today. It's actually most people in Galilee had a field themselves that they were working on and providing for their family. And so what would happen is they, they had these roads and paths that would go along the edges of the field where people walked and traveled. And these roads, they would become hardened over time as people and, different, and animals packed down the, the, the dirt on the road and made it a very hard road. You can picture that, right? And farmers, they're going to maximize their field, so they're going to sow all the way to the edge of the road, right? They want to maximize their field. And so many of these seeds, they would fall onto this hardened soil that was packed down. And because of that, it would be totally exposed to the eager birds looking for a meal. They would come and take up the seed. And Jesus says the birds taking the seed is a picture of Satan taking away the word from those whose hearts are already hard toward the message. And Jesus says people like this, they are in reality, whether they know it or not, the victims of a spiritual warfare. That the enemy has trapped them in a variety of lies and deception, and that, the, because, that because of that, they immediately reject the word when it comes to them. Friends, Satan recognizes the power of the gospel. When the bird sees the seed, he recognizes, oh, that's food, i got to go get it. In the same way, Satan recognizes when someone hears the word of God, he is ready to attack and deceive and to make sure that that word does not get implanted into the human heart. And so, for some people, when Jesus is teaching, it's not going to matter what Jesus says or how he says it, they are not going to listen. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, he says, The God of this age, Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So we have to realize, if you were here two weeks ago, we ended our Ephesians sermon series in Ephesians 6. We talked about we are in a battle. We are in a spiritual battle with, with, a, with an enemy who wants to deceive, who wants to blind people from the truth. And so the good news is, friends, prayer can break up the hardened soil. Prayer can break up the hardened soil that people have. When we, when we pray and we, and, we, and we show the love of Christ, that can break down those barriers that people have put up. But the message can only get, a, get across when that soil is softened. Because that hardened heart, it, Satan is going to land on that hardened heart and Satan's just going to take it away. So we have to pray that people would, their eyes would be open to see the truth and we have to show the love of Christ so that they might be prepared to receive the word of God. So that's the hard soil hearing. The second type of hearing Jesus talks about is the rocky soil hearing. Verses 16 and 17, Jesus says, Others, like the seed sown on rocky places, they hear the word, and at once they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Now, if you've ever been to the land of Israel, you know it, it really is a rocky place. And often the bedrock will be exposed, it'll be, it'll be visible. And so there'll be, there'll be some places where the soil is so thin and you can kind of wipe away the soil and boom, you're at, you're at the bedrock. And that top layer of soil, can you'll often find little pebbles mixed in, all these little rocks mixed in, because it's that hardened layer of soil. Um, and so seeds that would fall on these rocky places, they can sprout there in that little soil when, they, when the early rains come, the rainy season comes, they can sprout, but when, that, when the summer comes, when the scorching, hot Israelite sun shines upon that plant, it will wither away and die because it can't draw its roots any further down. It's rock underneath. And Jesus says this is a picture of how some people hear the message of the kingdom. They hear the word and they receive it with joy, but when the scorching sun of trouble, of suffering, of persecution and difficulty come, they wither away because their root hasn't gone down deep. 
And as you follow the story of the Gospels, you will see people in Jesus' ministry who once think he's such a great preacher, he's such a great teacher, but then what happens later? They fall away because suffering and persecution and difficulty come. And they realize that this message of the kingdom requires everything, and they, not be, might be, they may not be ready to give everything up to follow Jesus. And I believe there are many people today, many people who, who receive the Christian message gladly. They might have prayed a prayer, they might have accepted Christ into, into their heart, but then their faith gets tested. And they realize that following Jesus isn't just a, a way just to be happy and save you from trouble. No, there actually will be much trouble and much suffering, and there will be persecution for their faith, and they falter away. And they reject the word that they initially received with joy. I'll never forget uh, what my brother Almas told me. Some of you remember Almas was a member of our church, a church player in Kazakhstan. He was with us at the retreat, uh, which was a great weekend last week, by the way. And uh, he told me, we were talking about kind of the cultural context of Kazakhstan. And, and, he, and he told me, Nate, we have just the right amount of persecution. <laughs> what? What do you mean? And he said, you know, okay, you know, let me explain. No, no one's being imprisoned here. No one's, being, no one's getting hurt violently. There's kind of this cultural pressure to not be a Christian. It's really looked down upon. And if you meet publicly, the government might come and, and tell you to shut down where you're meeting. And he says, because of that, everyone who chooses to become a Christian knows it's a very serious decision. They think it through. They think through about all the trouble, all the persecution, all the suffering that might come their way if they choose to become a follower of Christ. So everyone in their church is sold out for the mission of Jesus. And they're sharing the gospel. Why? Because they know that this faith is going to require testing. It's going to require difficulty. And it's going to come with persecution. We have just the right amount of persecution. <laughs> and I think the church is struggling so much in America today because it's so easy to be a cultural Christian. It's so easy just to be a churchgoer. It's so easy just to kind of let the message go in one ear and out the other and not really let it register in your life and change your life. So I think we need to give ourselves a hearing test. You need a hearing test every once in a while. We have to test our hearing. We have to ask ourselves, would we still follow Jesus if, if we knew that it would require suffering? Would we still follow Jesus if we knew that we would have to begin meeting as a church in secret because the people around us didn't approve of what we were doing? Would you still be a follower of Christ if you knew that it would come with suffering and would give you no fringe benefits whatsoever? Would you still follow and hear the message? Have you dug your roots so deep in Jesus Christ that when trouble and suffering and persecution come, it will not shake you? That's a challenge to all of us. And Jesus says, some people, the seed's like it falls on a rock and, it can't, and the roots don't go down. So when it comes, withers away. And the third type of hearing he talks about is thorny soil hearing. In verses 18 and 19, he says, Still others, they're like the seed that are sown among the thorns. They hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. You guys ready to hear more about soil? <laughs> Got a lot of knowledge about soil. You didn't know you are getting so much soil education here. But... In the Galilean farms, that they're, one of the constant nuisance to the farmers in Galilee were these thorns. And when the rainy season came, they would, these thorns would absorb so much water that they would, they would grow pretty large. And they would come up at the same time as the wheat and the barley. This is a big problem. And so when that little bit of rain that they receive, this, the thorns are competing with the crop that you want to grow. And they would absorb what little water that those plants needed. That In fact, the wheat and barley, they would be starving for water and they would literally die 
because of these thorns. It was a life and death issue for the crop. It was serious. So they had to make sure that they cleared away these thorns. And now what I think what's interesting about this type of hearing of the message is that the seed, the seed is planted, it grows, it's received, and then, and then it begins to sprout as a plant. You see life happening. But then something happens. Thorns come in and choke out the life that is there. Many people accept the message of Jesus, but they grow, but then something happens. They let other things choke out the life of the gospel in their life. And Jesus says there are three thorns. There are three thorns that suffocate the life of the gospel out of people. What are they? Number one, they're the worries of this life. Jesus says many people, they're going to get so caught up in their earthly existence and everything around them, and they're going to forget about, oh, there's an eternity after all of this. People are going to get caught up in, so, oh, man, I want to prepare for the last 10 years of my life so well. But then what happens after that 10 years? Eternity. It's a really long time. And Jesus says people are going to get so caught up in just what they see here that it's going to choke out the word of the gospel in their life. And instead, the second thing that's going to choke it out is the deceitfulness of wealth. The idea that money and possessions will make us happy. And so many people spend their lives, they may, they may not say, oh, I believe that, but by their actions, it proves that they are living for money, possessions, and consumerism. And that chokes out the life of the gospel in them. And then he says the, the third thing is this desire for other things. Whoa, that's pretty broad. Desire for other Jesus wants no rivals. It reminds me of the first commandment. God said, I, you should have no other gods before me. No other rival. Jesus said the desire for other things are going are to come and choke out this life in you. The message of the kingdom demands our total focus and attention. There's a, there's a, a proverb that says, if you chase two rabbits, you will catch neither. You can't chase two rabbits. That's crazy. No, you have to chase one. And so we have to ask, are we chasing the kingdom with our sole attention and focus in our lives? That's what Jesus is calling for when he comes preaching the kingdom. He says this message is going to demand our total focus, your total attention. It is going to demand everything from you. It's going to cost you your life. Do you want to be a part of this? Are you hearing? Because when you pursue all kinds of other things, it's going to choke out the word. It's a thorn. So we've got to watch out for the thorns. And then finally, Jesus says there's going to be some good soil hearing. Good soil hearing. In verse 20, he says, Other people, they're like the seed sown on the good soil. They hear the word, they accept it, and they produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, and some 100 times what was sown. And in Israel, that would have been a very, very good harvest. You might expect a seed to produce 10 to 15 times uh, what it was sown. And so Jesus is saying the, the normal disciple who has the sole the soul focus, they might produce double what you would expect. And some even more than that, some 60, some 100. They have a great harvest. And some people, they really hear what Jesus is saying. They hear the message of the kingdom, and it doesn't just... It actually goes down into the heart. And they say, oh, I recognize the truth of this. I recognize the power of this. I, I want to give my life to this. And what happens is they begin to produce an amazing yield for the kingdom of God. Now, I want to assume that all of us here would really love to be the good soil. We really would love to be the good soil who hear Jesus' words. So what do the, the people on the good soil do? Well, Jesus says it right here. They do three things. They hear the word, they accept the word, and they apply the word. They hear it, they accept it, and they apply it. So they first they hear it. They're paying attention to what Jesus says. Notice his disciples. They're around him. They're, they're trying to discover what he's saying. And so they ask him for more information. Jesus, we want to understand your teaching. 
They're the people who want it not just to hear it audibly, they want to understand the intent of Jesus' message of the kingdom. So people who, who produce a crop, an amazing yield, they make sure they hear the word and that they understand it, and they keep uh, pursuing that understanding. The second thing they do is they accept the word. The good hearer recognizes that Jesus is preaching the truth. The kingdom is coming in and through Jesus Christ. He is the truth. And to hear the message well, it means you have to welcome the message into your life. You have to trust the one giving you the word, and you receive it into your heart, into your mind. You know, some people, they don't want to hear the truth. The truth can be really hard to hear. But like a, someone who is sick that needs to accept medicine, sometimes we need, to, we need to open and say, you know what, I need this word. Even though it's difficult to hear, I need to, I need to accept this word. Even though I don't like it, even though it kind of, it, it challenges me to go deeper, it challenges me to give up things, it challenges me to sacrifice. Oh, Jesus, I need this word. I accept this word into my life. I accept that you are teaching the truth. So they welcome it, they accept it. And the third thing that they do is they apply it. Jesus says that they go on to produce. They go on to work. The one who hears it and accepts it, they go on to become productive in the kingdom of God. So that means they're sharing Jesus with others. It means they're multiplying themselves and seeing other disciples come in their life. It means they're practicing, if you're on a retreat, prayer, care, and share, share, share. They're sharing Jesus with others. They serve the body of Christ with their time, their talent, their money, their gifts. They practice good deeds in the world, and they are those who give the sower, Jesus Christ, a good return on his investment. Jesus has invested the seed of the kingdom in you, and he wants to see a good return for the life that he gave for us. So to do that, we need to hear the word, accept it, and apply it. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Apply it. Make sure you put it into practice. I think the sad reality is in our culture, many people, they go to church week after week, but they don't put, them, put into practice what they, what they hear. They forget it by Sunday lunch or the Sunday football game, and they don't do anything different that week. Now, I just want to challenge all of you. If you are not serving our children downstairs on your Sunday school hour, if you're a regular here, I would encourage you to be part of our community groups. I would challenge you to be part of it. Why? If you're, many of you are educators, many of you have been in the education world, and it's been proven in many studies that lecture is one of the least effective forms of communication. Unless you do something else to drive the teaching down further into the heart and mind. You need to mix it up, you need discussion, you need application, you need to reflect, you need to analyze. And so if you hope to come to church every week and not reflect and not analyze, you're, it's going to be very difficult for you to put the word into practice. So our intention with our community groups is that you would come, you would be with a brother or sister, and you would analyze what you just heard. That you'd be asked some questions. That you might actually help each other understand the intention of what Jesus is teaching, what the word is teaching. And then you might say, I might apply it in my life this week. I think we'd all agree that hearing sermons week after week and not applying it would be a big waste of all of our time. We want to apply the word. I want Faith Covenant to be a place where people don't just hear the word of God, they do the word of God. Amen? Don't we want to be a place like that? And so a big way that we want to help you apply the word is that you would seek more understanding and apply it through discussion in our community groups. And so this is why I want all of us, and whether you're in a community group or not, I want you to get comfortable asking two questions every Sunday. When you go home, when you're driving in the car, when you're eating with your family at a meal, remember these two questions. What did God speak to you today? What did you hear God 
speaking to you today. And the second thing is, I don't have these on the screen, so I'm going to look up there. What did, what did you hear God speak, and what are you going to do about it? Very simple. What did you hear God speak, and what are you going to do about it? That is the essence of discipleship. Listening to the word and putting it into practice. So what did you hear? What are you going to do? What did you hear? What are you going to do? So the call of this parable is the key to unlocking the rest of the parables, the rest of Jesus' teaching. And the message is, do not let Jesus' words go in one ear and out the other. Do not let the word go in one ear and out the other. Don't have selective listening with Jesus. No, let it go into your heart and change your life. And you will see the fruit, the yield of the kingdom of God, a bountiful harvest of righteousness and holiness and all kinds of wonderful things in your life. So are you listening? Are you putting it into practice? Are you being a disciple at the feet of Jesus? Are you willing to clear out all the weeds, all the thorns? Are you willing to say, you know what, this is a distraction. This is a thorn in my life. This is a concern of this world. This is something that's deceiving me. This is something that is hindering me. I'm going to clear all of that out so that I can hear the message of Jesus and put it into practice. And when you do that, you will unlock the teachings of Jesus in your life. I think that's pretty exciting. Let's pray.